and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductible Podcast. That's the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriard Podcast Networks. And as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for. I am your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve of Destruction, though nobody calls me that. And with me, as always, are my totally cool best buddies and cohorts and all that good stuff, Mr. Nintendo. Shield this crap from one and all. Reflect, deflect, depose, and fall. I don't wanna. Too bad you're gonna. Well, maybe by the end of the show. We'll see about later on. Maybe. I don't know about right now, but... Uh, and, uh, of course, Ape and Alchemy! Why don't you vent your aggression on the offending slab of wood? Fine! Damn right! Actually, that felt good. I needed to, to vent a little bit of uh, aggression there. On good, that, good. On that slab there you of wood. Go. There that you slab go. of wood deserved it, man. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, anyway, we are here with kind of a weird episode. Um, I admit... This is uh this is like, you know, kind of my version of Ape at Alchemy's Bob Ross episode where he was just like, you know, gonna like dead set on doing it and wasn't really sure how it was going to turn out and wasn't sure how he was going to pull it off. And, and you know, what? gosh, darn it. He pulled it off. And I'm hoping the same. Hey, thing yay. We all pulled it off. guys. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but you did a lot of the work. But anyway, well, thanks. Yeah. So uh, it's same sort of thing. Uh, I, I've had this idea in my head since since season one. And uh, finally, we're doing it tonight, and I'm excited and a little nervous, but we're going to talk about the concept of holograms, Um, literally like those shiny, you know, multicolored green stickers. And sometimes you'd you'd see them in various places on, you know, uh, uh, they're on your credit card. They're all sorts of places, you know, and they're on sports cards and trading cards and stuff like that. Uh, and there are kind of two kinds. There's like what we call a foil, like a foil card, which is pretty much just a picture. And if you're a fan of Pokemon or, you know, any sort of a collectible card game, I don't know. I'm going to date myself and say the only one I can other one I can think of is Yu-Gi-Oh! But uh, Magic know, the Gathering, you Magic know, that the one's the, the most popular. Problem. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they had like foil cards or not. Like, I'm so dumb with magic. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not smart. But anyway, you know, the, it's kind of like rainbowy. You know, you get it and you're like, ooh, ooh, this card is like rainbowy. Um, and then so so like there's that kind. And then there's the other kind that's like a 3D picture that you can look at. And they're like, you know, it's like, oh, there's there's like something in there. There's like a tiger in there. And, and you can like turn it in your hand and the, you can see different angles of the tiger and uh, and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, you know, how do they make that? That's just an interesting thing. Yep. I, I sort of always wondered. And uh, holograms were like really big in the 80s. Um, yeah. And, they, you know, now it's like, you know, pretty much the only time you see them is like on your credit card. But like, yeah, or yeah, or passport or whatever, like you said. Yeah, right. 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 Passport, you know, ID, that kind of thing. That's like something the they don't want you to be able to easily print, easily right. yeah, copy, I mean, you know. It, well, the funny thing is, and I was looking this up, it still actually is like, you know, cutting edge, anti forgery, anti theft uh, technology. Like it's mm-hmm. it's still like the bomb, which is why it's still used after all these years. Um, but, and obviously you see it on, you know, trading cards and stuff like that too. Um, but the thing is that uh, in the eighties, there was this, there was this period of time where toy companies 
were like, yeah, we want to like capitalize on this weird technology because it feels like the future. It feels like, you know, something from from another time. Like, we're, what is this? What is this? It's it's these holograms like they're like, let's slap them on toys and and maybe maybe we'll sell a bunch of toys. And I think as we fi- will find out as we talk about those uh, that happened to uh, less lesser a degree of success than a lot of these companies were hoping for. But it's an interesting part of of the toy landscape from the late 80s. And we're a show that talks about retro crap and nostalgia. So I, I wanted to try to package this into an episode. And uh, the thing is, there aren't that many toys to really talk about. There's just a few that really kind of did this. Um, so to dive in, and this is where like the comparison to our Bob, Bob, Bob Ross episode kind of becomes more clear, mm. is uh, uh, we've done some research and we're going to present you with just a, a basic overview of like holograms in general as we understand them now. Uh, the thing is, they're kind of complicated to explain, uh, even if you know what you're talking about. And we're like the filter that so we don't really know what we're talking about. We're just kind of like, oh, we read about it and stuff, but we're going to do our best. So you guys ready to like impart uh, some hologram knowledge? Um- I'm certainly ready to try. Let's I mean, try. We, let, let's Give do me it. Five more minutes. Okay. Now. Okay. Now. <laughs> Let, let's just pretend we fast forwarded and I, I I cut the five minutes in post. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um so we'll do this and then we'll get to the toys, which I think is the fun part. But um yeah. So what the heck is a hologram? First of all, right? That's a fair question. I think. I, I think, I think so. All right. So a hologram, uh, also known as a holograph. Uh, comes from the Greek word meaning whole description or whole picture. Um, even though it looks like a three-dimensional picture, of course, it is a two-dimensional image that contains all the three-dimensional information of an object. So when you're viewing a hologram, you can tilt the image or the card or whatever it is and see the orientation of the shape actually change and move. And it's it seems like you're seeing the object from different angles kind of weird hmm. um so nintendo yes uh can you tell our retroid our, our retroid pals out in the listening world uh do you know when holograms were invented hmm let me look this up okay mm-hmm. i got the answer right here oh wow so the development That's of the laser enabled the first practical optical holograms that recorded 3D objects to be made in 1962, which is crazy if you think about it, yes. in both the Soviet Union and the University of Michigan. Yeah, so it sort of it happened all in 1962, like over there and over here. And it's like it took another 25 years before they, you know, kind of hit and became a popular thing. Popular that thing was being yeah. Right. Or something that could even be easily reproduced. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It was like, you know, the laser technology was like so, so new and everything, um, but still pretty cool. So, you know, it said, so what you said, Joe, is that, you know, you're recording a three-dimensional object, which yes. I think is the really interesting thing. And as a kid, when I would see these things, because really you'd go anywhere. Like I remember going to museums and there was like, it was a very popular thing. You would just go to the museum and there would be a whole like there would be like a, a poster stand, a magazine rack, and like a display of holograms. Like it's so funny. 
but yeah. they they really were like just everywhere you'd go to the aquarium they would have you know all aquarium ones all sea life go to the museum there would be a t-rex there would be a rocket there would, you know all different things that made sense for whatever the exhibits were at the time and uh it's it's really funny you would buy them and they'd be like you know cards and they would uh usually come with like a cardboard mat that had the name of the museum and you were supposed to i don't know hang it up or something yeah i don't really know just display it to all your cool friends all your cool friends who wanted to see your cool t-rex uh but i mean like it's 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 very interesting and i always looked at these things uh and and i was like but the t-rex that's in there i like, wh- how did they make that? How'd you Is put it a that? drawing? Like, I don't understand how you make this this picture, period. And then it, it goes from different angles. And um, I think what Apid Alchemy is going to go into next is we're going to learn exactly how it works. But basically, you have to start with a three-dimensional thing. So like a statue or a sculpture or, you know, something like that. Anything that has to start with a physical three-dimensional thing. And you're essentially taking a picture of it only instead of taking a picture with a lens, you're using a laser and it like the laser moves around every possible, you know, bit of surface that this three-dimensional thing has. So it's recording all of this. So, so eight bit, uh, can you tell us in the simplest of terms, sir, like we, we got a three-dimensional object. So we got the laser. How, how does it all come together? How, how is it actually created? Uh, yeah. So basically the way it works is like you said, there needs to be an original three-dimensional object that you are, are going to be, you know, lasering here. Uh, and the way that you described <laughs> like it, that you verb. said it was kind of like a, you said it were kind of like a scan of it. Um, so from, from what I've seen, uh, basically the laser doesn't actually scan across it. Like you envision in like mission impossible or something where like a laser grid, like goes around an object and it's like, meow, 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 and just like turns it into computer world. Uh, this is actually relatively simple for how insanely interesting this process is. Um, but uh, it's, it's complicated to understand, but what's actually happening is pretty simple. Uh, but basically what, what's going on is you said there's a laser. And the reason why you have to use a laser is because all of the light that is being transmitted needs to have the exact same wavelength, which you can't get with a regular bulb. Regular bulbs emit white light that has a whole broad spectrum. Uh, with a laser, you're only going to have one uh, color, one wavelength. Uh, so you use a laser. And then the laser beam has to be split into two beams, which both uh, go onto a piece of holographic film. So one of the split lasers passes through uh, the three-dimensional object. So, you know, whatever it might have to be, they might have to diffuse the laser. They might have to, you know, move the the, uh, object farther away, but whatever they got to do in order to get the laser to pass completely over the entire object. And then that gets reflected onto film. And then the other split beam just goes directly onto the film without passing through the object. And the reason for this is the object laser transmits the interference of light from the object. And the laser that has nothing that it passes through other than the film is basically like the the negative. There's, There's nothing there. So you're getting... One laser transmitting the the blank space, and then one transmitting the actual object. And if you think of waves 
you know, like a physical object, not like light, like the abstract concept, like the actual waves. If you like touch two points in a pool, those waves interact with each other. So what's happening is the film records the differences between the object light and the nothing light. And those differences are etched into the film. And when the film is developed and you expose it to white light, what gets shown back to you is the object that created the disturbances in the film in the first time in the, in the first place, it's friggin' crazy, it's crazy. right? Yes. Yeah. It's very so crazy. Friggin crazy. And it makes no sense even <laughs> when you explain it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? And it's like, yeah, honestly, it's like a lot of physics and shit, but yeah. It, yeah, physics it, and it, shit it is really what we should just. It's always yeah. I mean, if that's, you take that's nothing really, else else away from this podcast, folks, take away just, shit. Just fi- it's physics and shit. That's it's pretty much and shit. It's but yeah, sorcery. It's sorcery. It's what it's it is. Sorcery. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much high futuristic sorcery and like you know it's funny because we watched a lot of videos and you know tried to get a good grasp on this and we are currently trying to impart knowledge to you in an audio only format which is just stupid. What the heck was I thinking? Oh, I mean, goddamn I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but you know, obviously we'll get to the toys and stuff, and that'll be more fun. But uh, before we do that, let's uh let's we're almost done with this. Let's um I want to compare and contrast uh like just the the basic concept of holography and photography, and just talk about the couple of things that make them well, numerous things make them different, but let's talk about a, a couple points as we go. And then uh, I think we'll, we'll just get to the, the fun stuff. Um, sound good. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, uh, well, go, why don't you keep going? Ape? You were kind of on a roll there. All right. All right. So what, a hologram as we, uh, as, so a hologram uh, represents a recording of information regarding the light that came from the original scene as scattered in a range of directions rather than from only one direction as in a photograph. This allows the scene to be viewed from a range of angles as if it were still physically present Hmm. and a a photograph can be recorded using normal light sources sunlight or electric lighting whereas a laser is required to record a hologram a photograph is a two-dimensional representation that can only reproduce a rudimentary 3d uh, 3d effect whereas the reproduced viewing range of a hologram adds many more depths perception cues that were present in the original scene these cues are recognized by the human brain and translated into the same perception of a 3d image as when the original scene or object might have been viewed and that's why you can like tilt a a two-dimensional object and feel like you're actually changing the perspective of the the t-rex inside that's coming at you and you're seeing them from different slightly different angles yeah because it's just it's really all what the film is able to remember of the scene it's like this perfect snapshot but the snapshot was not just from one point of view it's so so nuts anyway that any hurts <laughs> a lens is required in photography to record the image, whereas in holography, hol- hol- holo- holography, holography, the light from the object is scattered directly <laughs> onto the, the special film. So true. So true. Um, mm-hmm. So neat. Well, okay. So one last thing. Um, so thank oh you guys, God. first of all, for reading so all thanks. this like jibba jab. Yeah, we just happen to know a lot about physics and shit. <laughs> just physics and, and shit. <laughs> and sorcery. 
uh, and and high high futurism and sorcery. high tech sorcery. Um, so th- this is this is of all the little just nuggets of of hologram knowledge. This is probably my favorite, and I did not know this uh, before doing research. I think this is so neat. Um, so let's say you have a picture of yourself and your ex, right? And and you've broken up. So you do the thing that you, you you're supposed to do according to movies and TV, and you cut that picture uh, down the center. Because presumably one of you is on the left and one of you is on the right. So now you have a picture of now you have two pictures, right? You have one of one of them. Make sure to keep the picture of 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 you and (laughs) and not of them. I mean, that's the idea, according to movies and TV. That's what Um, you should do. But so that's what would happen if it was photography, right? That's we understand that. It's just it's it's a picture. You cut it in half. You have two pictures. Get it. It doesn't no problem. The thing is, with holography, if you were to cut a hologram, in half um it does not work that way because <laughs> the way that the holographic film actually re- records and is etched it actually if you cut it in half or into a little piece even if you nip off the corner it doesn't matter how big or small the, the section is every piece that you cut will have the entire hologram in it <laughs> it's looks crazy that's so weird Right. Because like that perspective, like that part in space where that light was received. Yeah. Like you could turn, you could see an an angle of the object from, from that part of it. Like you might not be able to look at the object from every angle from that small piece, but you can tilt it in such a way that you like, almost like looking into a box, you can, you can see it from an angle. Yeah. It's the same. Cause you can, you can't see any hologram from every angle it's always just like you know a step to your left a step to your right kind of thing that's pretty much usually what it is but yeah it's it's crazy like there are videos of people doing it and uh it's it's nuts it's so anyway this happens because whereas each point and a photograph only represents light scattered from a single point and uh tim kind of said this as well um uh, only, uh, yeah, just a single point in the scene. A holographic recording includes information about light scattered from every point in the scene. So um, it's it's really crazy. It's kind of hard to understand. Uh, if you're interested, definitely look into it yourself. And I hope that we scratch the surface a little bit and at least, you know, answered like one or two questions, maybe raise some more. Uh, but uh, just just wanted to give that little bit of a background. And because I've always, I was always interested in it and I assume other people probably were too, and maybe never really, you know, thought like, Oh gee, like, Oh yeah. I wondered what this was when I was eight and haven't thought about <laughs> it since, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. Um, anyway, so there's, there's your, there's your intro, your, uh, your background history. So if we get to, if we get to the fun stuff, um, you know, I'm going to switch the order up a little bit. Cause I, uh, I've been talking here now. Um, Nintendo, do you want to do you want to do your uh, f- the first toy that incorporated uh, holograph holographic oh, technology? Sure. I, you know, I think this is going to be kind of everybody's the top of mind. And obviously, this yeah. is something that we've covered on the show uh, numerous times. But I, I don't think it's a property you can talk about too much. I think that's impossible um, because this, it really is truly one of the most popular just toy properties of all time. Um, so, so what, what you got intent? So I got the transformers <laughs> more than meets these guys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would like to have some fries more than um, meets these. 
Go she's, straight to my thighs. She's my favorite. cherry pie. <laughs> so, drink of water, such a sweet surprise. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a good brings a tear to a grown man's eye. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's, 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 now, let's move on. Oh, we can right. do this all night, sure, but. <laughs> um. So yeah. So. The, the transformers the, the the action figures they had like a little uh is insignia on their on their chest like doesn't matter if it was an autobot or Decepticon, they all had in the in the same spot generally or sometimes they'll have like on their shoulders mm-hmm. um like like Optimus prime would have one on one of his shoulders and uh those are are called rub sign yes. and they're kind of like uh heat activated mm-hmm. so you can like put your finger over it and it just kind of like reveals uh if, if they were like an Autobot or just at the con and which is kind of silly because, because it, it says so like on the box that the figure comes in. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But what think, if you I didn't think, know? If you didn't know, or maybe if, like, if you couldn't read, you just knew the symbols, like, okay, that's what this is. Maybe that's why they did. I have no idea. I mean, I can't read. I mean, I, I still can't read. Apparently. <laughs> it is, it is funny, but it is also a fun like gimmick for the toy line, a, a toy line, by the way, which was all gimmick anyway. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, a toy that transforms from a robot into a tank is already very gimmick like that. That's already very different. Right. And it's just funny. They're like, yeah, let's put holograms on them, too. I'm OK, right. sure. Right. And I just have to point out that I really, really hate the word rub sign. Yeah, it's awkward, dude. It it Ooh, could touch my rub so sign. It could when I <laughs> when I hear the word hear the word rub sign. This is not what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> my mind goes in a more dirtier direction. You um, make me vomit because uh, I think of this. I got. I got uh, <laughs> Excuse me while I rub sign myself. Excuse me oh. while I rub this sign. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me while I rub one out. Mm-mm. That's oh, where my yes, God. Please yes, don't yes, stop. Yes. Oh, we got we got rub sign. We got rub sign. Rub <laughs> we got rub sign. Rub sign. <laughs> we got rub sign. <laughs> rub sign. Um, um, so, yeah. yeah. So, like, like throughout the 80s, the, all the, the toys had uh, rub this signs. rub sign. <laughs> Because I have oh. to say it, so you guys know what I'm talking about. You might. Is it your version of moist? Is this your moist? What? Is this your moist? Do you hate the word? Like, oh, <laughs> yes. Right? You, know what, you know what word I hate more than moist? Rub sign. Rub sign. Rub Can sign. I get an amen for rub sign haters amen. out there? Thank you, Jesus. Bless your hot child. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. anyways uh, they would you know they would eventually stop using the <clears throat> rub sign mm-hmm. on all the, the toys. And then they wouldn't come back until uh, the second season of beast wars. Oh, wow. um, oh I didn't know but, that, but, but they would call it hidden energon chips. <laughs> much, I didn't know. I've never actually owned, awkward. I've never owned a beast wars figure. So I had no idea. Hmm. I had some um, beast wars figures, but I don't remember that. Like, yeah. I remember I had Cheetor and, and, uh, did you have yeah, Dinobot? I don't. I might have. I remember Cheetor for sure, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. remember them. Maybe they added them later. 
Yeah, yeah. Cheetor was your favorite guy. Of course he was. He was so dope. <laughs> he so was dope, so dope. Yo. So dope. Very dope, yo. Dope, yo. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, they... <clears throat> there's really, like, nothing that interesting about the, these rub signs. Like, they're just heat-generated. Right. It, it definitely is an interesting thing that they're able to uh, go dark and then it comes up. And this is like when I was first uh, started to talk in the beginning of the top of the episode, I was saying there's like kind of two kinds. There's like the foil, which where you think of with like, you know, sport cards and uh, stuff like that. And the 3D and we're mostly talking about the 3D stuff when we're talking about all the explanation in the history. But this is is the foil kind. So this is just a, yeah. a, a flat two dimensional picture that you know it's it's rainbowy and stuff but yeah once when you when you put your thumb on it it comes up the heat activates it it's neat uh i don't know uh, or if you or if you leave the figure out in the sun they'll be right it as, then yeah too. right as long as it's as long as it's uh it warms it's, it's got to warm heated. up it's kind of got to warm but like you know it uh i i think another thing that's worth mentioning is that um in the reseller market for people who are you know fans of buying vintage toys um the rub sign uh, sort of became one of the points of like, you know, how complete is the figure in what shape is the figure? What's its value if it's right, missing the rub sign? All. <laughs> because they were just they were just little stickers. How right. much did yeah. you rub this? Did you rub? Oh, you rubbed the shit out. Oh, of you this, rubbed man. it. This out. isn't worth <laughs> anything. The funny thing is you don't. I mean, the funny thing is you don't even rub it. Right. You just like pl- place your. It should be called a or your finger or whatever. You, you, you know what? You, you stop. It should be called finger. a stop sign. Just stop. This stop, stop sign. sign. Stop. A touch stop. sign. <laughs> stop. 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 <laughs> yeah. Stab. Um. It. So. Very cool. Thank. Thanks, Nintendo. Uh, that's mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. very appropriate. I think most people will remember that um, Transformers had the rub signs, and so. Going from there, uh, perfect segue for uh, my first toy I'm going to mention tonight mm-hmm. is um, a toy that was made by the same original company that made Transformers, and it was actually made as a spin-off series, even though in America they were not connected at all. Uh, and that is one of my most beloved toy series of all times. Oh, man. I love these guys. They are the Battle Beasts. Hell yeah, they're Battle cool. Beasts. Yes. Love yes. me some Battle Oh my god, beasts. like we played the shit out of those. Yeah. Well, because because you could do anything with them. They they were so fun. They were small enough to fit in like like you could buy a GI Joe vehicle. I would buy all sorts of toys and vehicles and bases from other lines. I would buy GI Joe stuff because I didn't really collect G.I. Joe at all, but sometimes G.I. Joe had really amazing bases and, and vehicles. And I would just I would just use Battle Beasts with the G.I. Joe stuff because yeah. I just loved the Battle Beasts so much. So anyway, these, uh, for those who don't know, uh, were created by Takara. As I said, the company who made the original Transformers in Japan. Uh, in Japan, uh, they were actually known not as Battle Beasts, but as Beast Formers, one word. But Hasbro brought them outside of Japan to the U.S. and other places in 1987. Uh, Battle Beasts were small, hard rubber figures, only about two inches tall. So, like, could not be more different. Could not look less like like, like they belonged with the Transformers. They're just completely different. Right. Um, they all came with a hand-to-hand weapon 
and had just only two points of articulation, which were the, the arms. The arms just swiveled. And the rest of the body and head and everything was just one piece of uh, sculpted, just just hard rubber. And they're all painted up and they looked really cool. And they were all animal guys. Um, each character was its own species. They didn't do a lot of repeating species. So there was a decent amount of these guys. But yeah, they, they were sold in two packs. Um, and they had a total of four series, though. In America, we only got three. Um, Starting in series three, they were actually, they introduced eight packs. You can buy these massive boxes of them. And it's so funny because I absolutely bought one of those eight packs one time. I remember it. And in my head, I thought it was like way more than eight. I thought it was like, there must have been like 25 in, in it's there a, or something. It's a 20 <laughs> teen pack. Yeah. It's a 20 teen pack. It's only, there was only eight, uh, but uh, you know, better than two, still, still a good amount. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, these uh, these guys uh, are being talked about tonight because they also had Joe's favorite word, rub signs. <laughs> and funny because they were the same size as the Transformer rub signs, uh, but they were just always mounted to the chest. And uh, so on the smaller figure, they looked larger. And yeah. um, like with Transformers, they reacted to the heat of your finger. Basically the same idea. But the way that it was designed i think was more thoughtful like it had a little bit more of a point where transformers you were like i don't know this is just like what you said like i don't know why like you already know it's a decepticon because it says so on the package and you learn the characters and whatever but the deal yeah. with these guys is um there were so so the first three um series uh the, so basically everything we got here in america there were 76 unique beasts Jeez, 76 that's pretty freaking good pretty good amount so yeah. all those all those beasts had uh, had like you know equal percentage po- probability to be any of the three possible rub signs so where transformers were just autobot and decepticon and every time you buy an optimus prime he's gonna be an autobot there's no chance that any sticker is going to be wrong unless it was like a mistake or something, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, it's always going to Optimus prime is this guy that he's yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a Autobot. Yeah. Okay, cool. Got it. Uh, But these guys were totally different. So you could have one and he's like the lion. Okay. Well, just because you got the lion doesn't mean, you know, what his rub sign is going to be. So it's more Mm -hmm. of a mystery. And, uh, and the reason that you actually do it. So the three, the three rub signs, the possible rub signs are, water fire and wood and basically and hard idea <laughs> it's so no not hard the just fire wood and water and the gimmick was that any you know any because any figure could have any possible one you could like bring yours over your friend's house or whatever and you could each have a lion or the same one or whatever and you know it was possible that they were different and you would supposedly essentially pair them up and play uh, basically the most epic uh, version of rock, paper, set, scissors ever. That's basically all it is. Oh, so right, epic. Right. It's just rock, paper, scissors. Uh, just battle it out. Um, and there's a little little uh, phrase that's printed on the back of every one of the packaging, uh, the packages. And it says, fire burns wood. Wood floats on water. Water puts out fire. So fire bad. That's it. <laughs> I'm not saying it's genius, but 
it technically was a little bit next level from, you know, the concept of the Transformers having rub signs. You know, they 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 thought about it a little bit more and it was kind of fun. Yep. And it sort of reminds me of the monster in my pockets, uh, basically yeah. coming in like all the different colors. So you could get a repeat of a guy and it wouldn't ne- necessarily be like an exact repeat. So it might be worth it to you. You're like, oh, well, I already have the blue Ram guy, but, you know, what? Well, he was fire. This one's wood. So cool. Now I have two different Ram guys and, you know, kind of fun. So right. kind of smart, uh, too, because, you know, you didn't mind buying uh, repeats because they they weren't blind packages or anything. You could see the two guys you were getting. So you might and they packaged them as far as I can tell, because I was trying to figure this out if they came in like specific packages or like the Ram always comes with the anteater or something like that. But I think they were also just totally random. So the way they packaged them, like it could it could just be any combination. So it's just whatever they had that day at Bradley's. Yeah. Or, you know, wherever. (laughs) like Like they package it there. Yeah. Whatever, whatever ones that they have. And you might say like, oh, my God, I, I I'm dying. To, I need the deer. I don't have the deer, but like, oh, but he comes with the beaver and I already got the beaver. Uh, and, I don't want the know. beaver. And you're like, well, you know, you know, Winona had a big brown beaver and she wished she did have a pair. So I guess, you know, if it's good enough for Winona, I can have the second mm. one, mm. you know, if it's worth it because you really need the deer, you know. Uh, you'll get the beaver if even if get you get that second you, beaver yeah. and it might be worth it because it, you know it might be a different rub sign so it's you know kind of fun um so aside from all those oh yeah the fourth i'll just mention the fourth season real quick uh we didn't get it here the fourth series not season uh we didn't get it here but it's it was actually they changed the name and it was called laser beasts and they're the same scale as the battle bees same size they look a little bit like brighter colors i think um, mm-hmm. and they didn't have rub signs. What they did instead was, and I think the reason I, I haven't confirmed this, but I think the reason that they changed it was because like I said, the stickers just came off and it, maybe it didn't happen as much with transformers, but maybe it was something to do with the fact that the, the surface of the hard rubber of the battle beast was like, just not easy to adhere to. Yeah. All my friends that had these, everybody had like already and this is when these were not old these were current toys Mm. everybody had various figures with the rub signs already lost like everybody had some that they were gone yeah so it was you know and at this point i still have uh all of mine that i had as a Uh, kid all of them yeah i have uh so if there's 76 i probably have 73 probably i i don't think i'm missing more than three um, but so I, I, you know, I love these guys for sure, but yeah, uh, most of them have the stickers that I have, but there are some that don't, they just fell off and there was nothing you could do. And, and it is what it is. But with the laser beast, it was kind of weird. I, I don't really like it as much, but they had like, it looks like a bubble on their chest, a see-through bubble. And oh, okay. basically there's a little sticker inside that has the wood fire water. And you just kind of can't see it because the the curvature of that little bubble is like diffracting the light and it's kind of hard to see what's in there. So you kind of have to like hold it up to the light and kind of like peer inside and you're like, oh, oh, it's it's a water. It's it's not it's not as cool. It must have been so much cheaper for them to do than the holograms, I guess. Oh, I think I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to improve on it because because it was 
a faulty thing or I, I really am not sure. But uh, they are insanely expensive. The Laser Beasts. I have n- I've never owned one. They are on eBay, but you can spend a hundred bucks on one. I mean, Jesus they are God. really expensive. There are certain ones that I would love to have. They they had a really cool dinosaur guys. They didn't have a Triceratops, but they did have a T Rex. They had a Pteranodon. They had um, a dragon guy. They had like a stingray guy. They had a like, I don't know, a, a number of really cool animals that weren't just repeats. There was a mouse and there was already a mouse. So there was like a couple like redos essentially. But okay. the mouse was like completely, completely different. It had totally different colors, totally different sculpt. Uh, so it's not like it was just a you know a different paint job on the same mold. It wasn't. It was totally new. But even then, there were so few redos of old animals because there were no repeats. I don't think of any animal with the original three series. But anyway, so laser beasts are cool, but they they don't have holograms. So whatever. Hmm. Uh, but check them out if you've never seen the laser beasts. Like look them up. They are super super cool. Um, oh, and there was thirty six of those in that fourth season series keep saying series um so in america back to what we got here there were 76 figures but there were also um vehicles um i love these things they're like the kind of thing so many toys in the 80s did this it was like a pullback sort of truck and then it would go forward and like race forward you know when you pulled it back um so there were three, they were called the battle chariots and they're so cool. I love oh, robotic yeah. animal stuff so much. And these are just so cool. I have all three of them. Um, and they're, you know, obviously one is representing each of the three insignias, the three armies or whatever. So you had, uh, there was a blue one, which was the battling bighorn, who's was like a bighorn sheep. There is a green. They all have battling in front of the name for some reason. <laughs> There's a green one, which is presumably the wood. And he was uh, he was my favorite. He was uh, like a like a stag, like a deer with really cool antler horns. They they're like they're more like horns than antlers, but they're they're really neat. They're branched, but like they looks like spikes. He's got looks like he's got horns on horns. He's so badass. Horns on horns on horns. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, the battling deer stalker. And there's also the battling Terran tiger. Not Terran Barber, but the Terran Tiger. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit different uh, spelling, but uh, it's the battling Terran Tiger. Also really awesome. All three of them are super sick and you'd pull them back and they would go really, really slow for a second and then they would just charge. And when they did that, the uh, the bottom jaw of the animal would actually like rattle open and close as they went. It's just really fun. Uh, and finally, there were three transforming bases uh, of these, I only ever owned one. Um, the uh, uh, I'd love I'd love to get my hands on at least one of the other ones. But there was for fire. There was the blazing eagle just looks like a phoenix. I don't know why they didn't just call it the phoenix, but it's the blazing eagle. OK, and then there's the uh, shocking shark, which is the water one. And that's the one I have. And then the most epic of all the wood beetle. <laughs> it looks like a hey, beetle. Looks, he's cool. literally they're like a uh, uh, fire eagle, a uh, sh- shark, a uh, uh, beetle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it sucks. He's so lame. I don't know why they. 
like, this is what we got. It's like so funny. All you need is a land animal. There's tons of cool land animals. You chose that a tiger beetles. for your chariot. Like you went from tiger. <laughs> and the name even sucks. It's not called a fire eagle and the water shark. It's called the blazing eagle, the shocking shark, and wood, wood beetle, beetle is the name. It's the actual name. They're like, oh, shit, that was supposed to be a placeholder name, guys. Come on. I know, that's what it seems like. <laughs> um, so just the the very tenuous Transformers connection. Um, as a part of the Takara original marketing strategy, strategy the strategy, strategy. Had, uh, <laughs> many of the Battle Beasts actually appeared in one episode of uh, the Japanese Transformers cartoon. It was it was uh, the episode was called Rebellion on Planet Beast. And uh, that was the the show was Transformers, the Headmasters, yep. which, Joe, we got that and it was called season something, but we didn't get this episode. Right. Yeah. I don't remember what season it was for us. I, I want to say it was uh, season three was the start of the Headmasters. The Headmasters. Okay. Yeah. But I think it went on to like four seasons, but I, we never got like the, the final season of Transformers. Oh, gotcha. But I know we didn't get that episode because Hasbro was like, no, it's going to be confusing. We didn't connect them at all. We don't want to show that. It's, it's literally so weird. Uh, and, and like years and years and years passed before I realized that there even was a connection in Japan, like never even occurred to me because the toys are so incredibly different other than the holographic rub signs. Right. Um, right. Yep. But anyway, the um, the last little bit I think is interesting is all all the characters have names. And I actually learned the names because there was a poster you could send away for which I don't have anymore. It literally deteriorated down to nothing. It came folded <laughs> and, and basically just ripped eventually at, uh, at the folds. It was just uh, it was a well-loved poster, though, but it had drawings of all the different beasts and their American names. So I learned the names of the characters there because they didn't print them on the cards because the cards were generic. It was just one card. Actually, really smart marketing decision just in that because they didn't bother like saying, okay, the anteater always comes with the porcupine or whatever. Like, you know, it could be anything. So we print one freaking card. That's it. You yep. know, so many other lines, like the back of the card, the front of the card, both are unique artwork for that one figure. Right? Like, right. like think about Transformers or even Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles had like 100% original artwork just on the front of the card with all drawings of that one character. And then on the back, yeah, they had like some common stuff. They would show you the, the pictures of all the different figures that were coming out and, and all the different lines and stuff. But at the bottom, they had a card you were supposed to be able to cut out and save that was specific for the character you were getting. So really fun. I mean, it adds value for sure. It's cool. Yeah. But like from a marketing standpoint, like Battle Beasts probably were safe, pretty cheap to produce, I'm sure. Like, especially in terms of like the landscape, but there were 76 possible figures. It's so crazy. Wow. Um, but anyway, so the names were totally different in Japan. That's what I'm getting at. The names are totally different in Japan. And uh, it's kind of funny. Some of them are really, really dumb. Like uh, there's a giraffe. And for us, his name is because they're all like a word and then whatever the animal is. So it's really simple. just like kind of like Mega Man X sort of names like yeah. you know like storm eagle like that could totally be a battle yep. name right um right. 
And so we got uh we got rubberneck giraffe. That was his name. Rubberneck giraffe. <laughs> okay. What? Which is funny Badass. and stupid, but better than his name in Japan, which was yellow giraffe. We all live in a yellow giraffe. <laughs> yellow giraffe. Kind of hot on these giraffes. Um my favorite by far and uh, definitely showing its Transformers card, uh, wearing it on its sleeve. Uh, the alligator, there's like this albino alligator guy and he, he's kind of wearing this like dark green armor, like a, like an army green armor. He's really cool. Uh, we got him and his name was Gruesome Gator. They definitely use the alliteration a lot, but not always. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, his name in Japan is uh, it's Alligatron. Oh, Alligatron. <laughs> it's Hamdinger. Alligatron. So they actually use the Tron. It's so funny. No weird. other character used a Tron. I looked all through. I didn't see any. I looked. I looked kind of quick, but I looked down the list, and Alligatron was the one that st- stood out to me. <laughs> like that's so funny. That's such a such a Transformers name. Um. Nobody yeah. summons Electron. Alligatron. <laughs> such a mouthful, dude. Alligatron. Yeah, it really rolls off the tongue there. Uh, <laughs> nice so smooth. that's Battle Beasts. Um, I love them. Yes. Good times. Definitely uh, taking that rub sign concept and doing a little bit more with it. So uh, before we go to our Octoponder, for the week um you you got something a little something something mr Ape. i do i do have a little something something so i mean you guys both got to talk about some you know some kind of multimedia properties here transformers and battle beasts and they were primarily you know toys for for just playing with and making up your own shit and whatever um but you know i think one of the biggest like holographic hologram kind of things that uh i cared about growing up was holographic trading cards um and i mean they're not you know exactly the same um they're definitely they're this it's definitely a simpler you know kind of process but whatever i'm not not here to get into all that right it's like uh, the foil thing we mentioned and right it's like you're getting like Mm. you know this kind of sheen of color and all that whatnot and it it looks real pretty and you're like yay hoo hoo it's rainbow i'm so pumped and then you show your friend you're like yeah i got a rainbow squirtle and he's holographic and you suck and he's like hey man why are you being so hateful i i just (laughs) i i i'm happy for you and i'm like oh yeah well okay i'm sorry about. and he's like um did did you see my holographic slow king because uh i don't think you got one of those and i'm like holy shit is that in japanese because pokemon gold and silver is not even out yet right now are you straight up hacking (laughs) are you hacking life are you hacking hacking we we don't even know what life hacking is yet who the hell is slow king nobody's even invented the ticking tops what the (laughs) Mm. Mm. nice nothing like that Mm. Orville Redenbacher's gourmet ticking talks. <laughs> gourmet ticking talks. Uh, so yeah, um, holographic cards were really exciting. I mean, when I was growing up, it was all about Pokemon cards. Uh, and then later on, I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! And, you know, pretty much every pack was guaranteed to have some card that was holographic or foil uh but they weren't always cards that were a big deal and actually now i'm saying this they might have not done that at first they might have implemented that later because at this point if you go buy a pokemon card pack 
one card is always holographic, but it might be a no big deal card. It might be a common card. It's just to give you the yippee of a holographic. But then there's other cards that are like, oh, that's a rare card and it's holographic. So uh, it was very exciting. Uh, nonetheless, uh, definitely the prize of everyone's possession were always their holographic cards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't have uh, a whole history of anything to get into, but I do have a few really memorable holographic cards that I remember getting as a kid and uh, just like kind of the stories along with them. So I'll uh, I'll run us through a, a yeah. few little anecdotes here. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. the, the number one, you know, biggest and, and most fucking sought after Pokemon card was uh, holographic Charizard from the original Pokemon, uh, you know, trading card series and uh you know it's it's just one of those crazy things like it's uh it's it's a thing that had a lot of value back then uh and then it it's just kept going i mean i think it was this year that a holographic charizard card that was you know all professionally graded and 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 all this other shit uh sold for like three hundred thousand dollars Oh right. my god. 300,000 fucking dollars. Like good god, what are you doing with your money? But um, you know, it's fucking crazy. And so as a kid, you know, there was already this concept. Um I remember I used to get Beckett magazine. And Beckett magazine was Ooh, the like Beckett the Buyer's number, Guide. The Beckett Buyer's Guide was the number one for like knowing cards in what booster packs were out right now, knowing their rough value, knowing how much they were worth if they were first edition, holographic, whatever. And frankly, I never really got into like that side of collecting things more than with Pokemon cards. And it's definitely because of Beckett. Because uh, those magazines had some cool stuff in it anyway. And then the card pricing stuff was just also also fun to look at. But anyway, uh, holographic Charizard was the oh holy fuck moment of of game of card games at that point. And uh and there was a there was a night I remember I opened up some booster packs at home and I pulled a holographic Charizard card and it's and then you not shit first yourself. edition. It's not first edition, but I promptly shit myself and I specifically remember that I got so emotional because I was I was a fucking kid, right? You were going around shitting other people's pants. I shat other people's pants. No, it's actually way nicer than that. I I got so emotional that I cried, and I had my mom call Steve at college because I needed to tell you that I got a holographic Charizard card. Now I don't know if you remember this. I don't but remember. I distinctly remember being in the hallway and being like, "We gotta call Steve. <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta tell him. He's not gonna believe it." <laughs> and it was just like this fucking beside myself moment of like. This is the it card. This is yeah. the card every person on my goddamn school bus has been talking about. Like the 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 hubbub of the playground, you know, the chat of the seesaw was the fucking holographic Charizard. And and uh, and I had it in my hands and I still have it. I still have it. It's in my it's in my uh my binder with all my cards. Uh I would love to get it graded um and see how it how it actually stacks up. Uh, unfortunately, all those card grading businesses are jam slammed right now because 2020 and 2021 
have proven themselves to be an insane year for people scalping Pokemon cards and all collectible cards, but mostly Pokemon. Uh, and so the real way that you make your money on that is you send them out, you get them graded, you get them back, whatever. So these places are super congested. I, I'll, I'll get it graded sometime. Who knows? Uh, maybe it'll be worth a million dollars right now. Um, so, so <laughs> maybe it'll be worth three hundred thousand and one dollars. Maybe it'll know. be worth one Bitcoin. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, Charizard was was insane. Uh, the the other one I remember not because it was rare, but because it was like just the single most interesting and memorable card I remember seeing, uh, and that was the Ancient Mew card from Pokemon, which was given away for the first week when you went to see Pokemon the Movie two thousand. They included an ancient Mew card with your tickets. Uh, and the deal with this card was it looked like you were looking at like an ancient tablet that was, you know, all of the, the language in it was written in an alternate kind of code, like hieroglyphics. Um, all of the features of the card, like, you know, how many hit points it has, what was its weakness, what attacks did it have, like all that stuff was coded into the artwork with this hieroglyphics. And so I remember there being a contest where you had to decode all of the features of the card and you would send in your answer. Uh, and if you were able to submit your answer correctly to like the Pokemon TCG League, uh, you could go home with a special Ancient Mew playmat and poster. And there was like some extra points that you earned as far as like the ranking and the and the trading card game league goes and stuff. But I just remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever. Like they like made this hard to decipher, you know, esoteric card and they gave it away in this limited quantity and it looked really cool and it was holographic. And so, you know, the whole card had this very distinct shine to it. And it was just so cool. I remember right, because like just every every other Pokemon card adheres to its format, like mm -hmm. the you know, the, the framing of everything is the same, but this was just completely out the window. Yep. Right. Yep. It was, it was totally different. You know, there were some echoes of the, the normal, you know, kind of card layout. Um, but the card itself just had the most incredible like holographic effect on it. Like they, they made the borders of it look like it was stone and they made the, the, um, the background of the artwork have all these distinct like rainbow bubbles that were flying out at you and stuff. And honestly, it, it is an extremely cool card. It's worth just Googling it. Um, just so cool. Nothing was worth as much as Charizard. Uh, the only other card I remember was Dark Alakazam. People were losing their shit over. Uh, but I don't think that uh, Blastoise was worth anywhere near as much. But uh, I, I, I had a, a really good friend back in the day, back in like second grade. He was, he was this guy, Josh. And uh, and we were like super, super tight. We hung out all the fucking time and we always like talked Pokemon and, and whatever. And, and I remember we were both into the, the trading card game. And I think it was like a year or two after we became friends that he moved to Florida. And so, you know, we uh, we, we did the, the adorable childhood thing of keeping in touch by writing letters to each other because it was the 90s and pen pals were still a that was it's still a, a thing a, a it current technology it was a necessity right like it was it wasn't current just, gen yeah it wasn't just doing it to be old timey it's like that's how i could talk to him uh so we wrote letters to each other for a while and uh he sent me this holographic blastoise card that he got because he knew that it was my favorite pokemon and so i still have that holographic blastoise from josh and i remember sending him 
a second edition holographic polyrath. Uh, and for those who know Pokemon, you know, you know what that Pokemon is. For those who don't, you've already stopped listening to me, so it's fine. But, uh, you know, that was just a really cool exchange. And I always remember that. I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, oh, man, like he got this really awesome rare card and he sent it to me like this is so special. So I still I still have that holographic Blastoise. And, uh, you know, Josh, wherever you are out there, hope you're doing well. Hope uh, Florida is treating you as good as it can be if you're still down there. This was like 25 years ago now. I don't know. When do people go to second grade when they're seven? 23 years ago i don't know yeah maybe it was a long ass fucking time ago in a town called kickapoo but either way hope you're doing good there man uh so yeah so that's pokemon uh and then for Yu-Gi-Oh, i'm gonna go through them quick uh i had there was a car there was a, a booster pack i bought a shitload of i uh steve and i got really into Yu-Gi-Oh. um i think we liked the card game we also liked the monster designs and it was konami and it was just cool like i don't know i Yu-Gi-Oh was 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 pretty neat uh there was a booster pack i was wicked into uh getting called legacy of darkness and there were so many kick-ass monsters from it uh but there was one that i remember steve and i had looked up that was called tyrant dragon and yes. it was this badass fucking red dragon and it oh, was orange oh so god orange well, yeah he was like an orangey red and he's like just cool as hell and we're like oh man like you know i've, I've bought so many booster packs i haven't gotten them yet and we were at the point of like all right let's just kind of like get the one-offs like let's just try and see if like there's any guys that we really want from this that we don't have and uh and so i you know i i didn't know better um so i i had bought i had bought some some more booster packs and uh i usually bought them when i went out with my dad we would go to uh, like Toys R Us or GameStop or whatever, and they would have booster packs. And I remember I got two booster packs and I pulled Tyrant Dragon out of it. And I was like, oh, fucking no way. Holy shit. Yes, let's go. And then uh, and then my birthday came around and Steve <laughs> gave me Tyrant Dragon. And I was like, wait, ah, oh, fuck. And, and he was like, yeah, I didn't pay nothing for it either. It was like actually kind of a, you know, a few bucks. And I don't actually know what it was worth at that yeah, point. Like now I don't remember I what up. I paid, but I bought it on eBay yep. or something like before you pulled it out of the pack. Yep. And then like I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I, I want to I want an awesome holographic, you know, Tyrant Dragon. It's, he's going to be so psyched. And then he pulls it out of a pack like like it ain't no thing. Right. And, it's uh, like, ah, damn it. And he, I mean, he was so not- excited. And I just just like, ah, fuck. Fine, fuck. Uh, he's like, why are you? excited about that i would think you'd be excited about this right right yeah but okay sure right uh yeah so that was pretty funny and the the card's not worth that much at all now it's like 25 bucks uh so it looks looks like it's selling for around 25 bucks Uh, i I was gonna say i was on ebay for a few dollars so i don't know um but either way, no, none of the Yu-Gi-Oh cards ever got to be worth that much. Uh, it just didn't have as much appeal. And there's just so fucking many, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's not like Pokemon where you tie it to a specific character from Pokemon that you really like. It's like, they're just Yu-Gi-Oh guys. Like half the time you wouldn't even see them in an episode of the show or, or uh, you know, the manga if you read it. So whatever, not worth money, but still really memorable. And then the, the other one I, I had a, a great memory with was just... Uh, was also from legacy of darkness and you know like every booster pack for the most part with uh with card games and stuff they'll have one 
artwork that's featured on the cover of the booster pack and it's like oh that's like you know the the face of this booster pack and it's it's the the big deal card uh and so for legacy of darkness that card was this like weird you know snake monster thing and you they don't tell you what it is they just use the artwork from the card so i didn't know what the hell it was and one of the one of the times i bought booster packs i was rifling through it and i pull out this thing called the yamada dragon and it's got you know these like eight heads on it and it's got this insanely sick like holographic artwork on it and i'm looking at it i'm like oh my god it's the fucking cover artwork for the legacy of darkness booster pack that's crazy like that is usually the rarest goddamn card you know to 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 get which is you know my kid brain making the whole thing way cooler than it probably really is but you know in my head it's like well of course that's the hardest one to get because it's the super special cover art one um but yeah i thought that was fun as shit that i was able to get that guy and probably i think the only time i pulled the the you know whatever cover card for for a booster pack but that was really memorable it was fun and uh and we we had a lot of fun organizing our holographic cards into like special binders and stuff and sorting them around based on you know their attack power or what you know just the way that they looked together if they were all similar looking and just just yeah doing dumb fun organizing shit like that because they looked so cool and you just wanted to you know try and display it it's fun it was uh it was it's good times i got more into the Yu-Gi-Oh than the pokemon cards because uh i don't know the and it was it was more adults like drawings i guess they weren't yeah. so childish and and uh some of them were like just so cool i mean that yeah. tyrant dragon oh, is yeah. awesome like lots of them are just super awesome yeah and also and I mean, it had that like extra level of that when they started to like like do deep cut konami references in some of the cards mm, yep that's exactly what i was gonna say too yep, like you'd yeah, have because, like you know the gradius ship would yep. would show up and yeah, you'd have like vic viper and you'd have like random characters from legend of the mystical ninja and you know there's just like a a variety of random konami characters that they pulled from uh i mean th- that game for people who know Getsu Fumaden, it just got like that new remaster. I think the main bad guy from that was a card. Like, uh, th- there's just a lot of weird ass random references that clearly Konami was like, "Look, guys, we've made games for forever. We need about a billion monster and card ideas for this fucking game. Like, let's just pull from everything." Uh, and so I I loved that because seeing some of those references was like the most fun ever. But uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty good time. I've thought a bunch of times about buying more more Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I've been like, no, I don't think yeah. I need to open that can of worms again. It's probably not going to be that satisfying anyway. And in the grand scheme of things, I stopped buying Yu-Gi-Oh cards after like booster pack seven or eight, maybe, and I feel like they must be in the twenties or thirties by now. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't care. I, I'm never going to have someone to play with, and I don't. I don't need to collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I haven't stopped myself from buying Pokemon cards though, because I'm I'm 30 years old and I'm out of control. Uh, <laughs> but I I think that Pokemon cards, being as rare as they are to find today, has made me go. You know, I'd like to open up a few packs of cards. Like I've been playing here and there with Stephanie and like, just had it be like a low key, like very low difficulty game to play. 
and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll buy some, some, some booster packs if I happen to come across it, but it's, it's straight up impossible. There's, there's fucking none of them anywhere. Yeah. People just buy them like crazy and they try to get their, uh, you know, the rarest card and then grade it and sell it and, and turn a quick profit. And I'm like, that just sounds like a lot of goddamn work. That doesn't sound worth it really at all. Like how much money can you possibly really even be making doing that? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Clearly enough. Clearly enough. But uh, yeah, that's my bit. That's my bit on some. Nice. It was a good nice. fit. Thank guys. Good yeah. bet. It was eight, not eight bits. Just one bit. It's, it was a good bit. Um, I I had like a more limited sort of uh, a little bit to the left of that experience with cards uh, before you were around um, because, you know, we're bros, but uh, well, we're actual brothers, but like I, I mean, we're all bros, but um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you. So like I was experiencing Boy. stuff uh, when you were like in, you know, in, in <laughs> and like so at my like, early 90s i really kind of concentrated on uh like comic cards i was never mm-hmm. into sport cards because i'm not into sports ball but oh, weird you're weird but i i loved comic cards and the first series i ever collected and it was you know booster pack same thing uh was uh x-men it was the x-men series one card uh and they had um I think it was, I think it was five different like rare hologram cards. And that was what like introduced me to the concept. And those were the, the foil kind. So they were just, you know, a picture and uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a card game. They were just collectible cards. Yep. And each card is a different character, whatever. And I remember they had like Gambit and Magneto were and Wolverine were definitely three of the holograms, but I think there was maybe rogue. Uh, there were definitely not too many. I, I five feels right to me, but um. Anyway, uh, X Men Series Two came out. So X Men Series One was drawn 100% by Jim Lee. Jim Lee drew every freaking card, and to this day, I love that series. I love the artwork from that series so much. Uh, the Beast card it was card number one, and it just sticks in my brain as like one of the most iconic pictures of beast it's just funny it's just because it was number one it was on the top of the deck and you know i i don't know but anyway i, I was able to actually complete series one uh, i got all oh, the nice. cards uh, i got almost all of them from boosters and then i think we bought like a couple stragglers from like a card shop a collectible shop that um was was you know around I, I i don't even think it was the one that you guys are probably thinking there used to be one in framingham at the not that this is going to be interesting to people listening, but you guys remember the the old Shoppers World, where yeah. it was like like yeah. an outside mall. It was two levels. Uh, there was a, a like a comic card shop there. I don't even think they were comics. I think they were just cards. It was like a baseball card type place, but they did have uh, some some of the X Men cards. But anyway, pretty fun stuff. Uh, but X Men Series Two came out, and um, and. There was there was a special card in there that I I'm going to I'm going to talk about uh, in a little bit. So let's end this right here. I'm going to ask the Octoponder, which will be related to what we're talking about right now. Um, If you guys out there um, collected cards of any kind, 
sports cards, trading cards, comic cards, gaming cards like Pokemon, anything at all. And you experience this booster pack thrill of what did I get? And then you pulled that holographic foil out. Um, I want to know if you did that, uh, if that was your experience, what was like a big one for you when you pulled it? Like, just like 8-Bit was saying, when he pulled that Charizard, he cried like it was such a big deal. Did you guys have an experience that was similar to that? I want to know what the card is. Uh, so why don't you guys think about that for a little bit while we go on a short break? Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good. It's scary. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. Hello, this is Terrell Whitlatch. I am the lead creature designer for The Phantom Menace, among other things. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. All right, welcome back aboard, everyone. All right, we've asked you this week's octo-ponder this question, which was, if you were into collecting sports slash trading cards slash comic cards, whatever... What was a rare holographic card that you pulled from a pack that you were like super proud to own that just shook your world and you were so excited about it? Now, unfortunately, this uh, this octopond or this question was not posted to the group in time. Uh, I kind of screwed that up. Uh, so unfortunately, we don't have any retroid answers for it to read you guys. And on top of that, this question is so crappy. That in fact it it excludes our buddy Nintendo and I, I apologize. <laughs> I mean I can I can I mean I can I can mention something. I'll mention something. Okay. All right. So mention mention something. Go ahead. So okay. So, all right. I'll mention something. So I I was never big into collecting cards. So right. I never had that experience that that eight uh, bit had. Yeah. Um. Oh. But if I were to if I were to collect cards. And if this card ever existed, I probably will be uh, rub signing myself. Um, <laughs> it would have to be uh, a hologram card of Unicron. Oh, and the reason why I say that is because you no, know, uh, back in the day, uh, Steve actually bought me the Unicron figure from the uh, Armada series. And that thing is so fucking badass. I fucking love it. And um, it came with a little card, and it's such a badass card. And he's like, kind of like reaching out toward you, and he's like all all mean and shit, and like like he's re- ready to like fucking devour you or whatever. And it was so awesome. And I can totally picture that as a holographic card. And I think that would, that would. I would just fucking rub sign myself like all day and night, and not, <laughs> not stop. Okay, so it's not actually. 
it's not, not actually it's holographic. not actually a holographic card, but it's a card that but I if would it existed, like gotcha, to see. If gotcha. it existed, I yeah, I I would probably cry and and, <laughs> and and I would have my mom call call Stephen College and <laughs> and I uh, call back in time, you motherfucker. And and, 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 and my 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 mom my mom would be like, um, so Steve, um, uh. Uh, Joe is like rub signing himself with this holographic card. I don't understand. And uh, yeah, so you might want to talk to him or something. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's how that would go. Joe, thank you for that answer. Oh, yes. what a beautiful, beautiful answer. <laughs> that was I told you I would give you something. That's right. You did. Perfect. Um, so I did have one card that I was very excited to pull from a pack as I alluded to before the break. And, uh, that was X-Men series two. There was, uh, some like foil cards that were kind of like the first series, but there was one ultra ultra rare card that was a three dimensional Wolverine. And this, uh, this came out in 93. It was X-Men series two. It's just the Wolverine 3d hologram card so if you if you look up x-men series 2 wolverine hologram card you'll find it is uh like looking on ebay now they're not worth that much there are some crazy people that are clearly out of their mind uh they're selling the one guy's trying to ask like over 800 dollars for it but everybody else is only asking like 40 or 50 so it's right in that range and actually that's what it was worth at the time was about 50 bucks and I remember thinking that that was just so insane. So I pulled this thing from a card. I it, it was it was really cool. It's this three dimensional Wolverine. He's like busting through a wall. There are chunks of the wall frozen in place and his claws are coming right at you. Very cool card. It was rare. It it only was packed in one out of one hundred and eighty packs. So um, from what I could. Wow. Holy shit. That's, that's crazy. That's what I read. So um, pretty neat. Um Definitely a cool card. And uh, whether or not I still have it today, I think I probably have it packed away in there's a couple places where I think it might be because it used to be like I had it in a very special place that wasn't with other stuff. But then I moved like seven times. So I don't know. I, I probably still have it. I don't I don't I don't I definitely didn't throw it away, but I don't know. But it's been in a little, you know, a little card protector since 1993. So uh, it's, it's it's probably in pretty, pretty good, good shape. shape. Yeah. Like, not like it's been out in, in the sun or anything either. Right. So, uh, so obviously eight bit, you told us a, a bunch of super special cards. So is there anything left? Um, I don't think that there was any particular card that I was like the Charizard was the one. Yeah. I mean, Charizard was definitely, you know, the, the most emotional, card that i could have possibly pulled like that one was was pretty insane um yeah i don't know you know i i think i think that's that's probably that's probably you know sufficient there um i will say that one of the things i thought was cool was back when pokemon cards were first coming out uh you could you could actually buy japanese booster packs for whatever yeah. reason and i remember going to um going to like newbury comics and stuff and buying some of those japanese booster packs uh and thinking that they were cool because some of the boosters that were out in japan weren't out in america so you would see like artwork and stuff that maybe you weren't familiar with and whatnot but they were useless you couldn't do anything with them uh and there was one time 
that I traded someone at the library a card and I traded them a rare card for one of their rare Japanese cards. And I remember I thought it was really awesome. I think it was a Japanese dark, uh, dark charmeleon, uh, which has just like like the the artworks in Japan and in America weren't different. It's just that they had later boosters out. Um, but the artwork for Dark Charmeleon is is still one of my favorites. It's just super fucking cool. Uh, it's got this really neat like you know colored background, and he's looking all badass, like sweeping his tail, making this big like circle of fire, and it's just cool as shit. Uh, and I remember I traded for this holographic Dark Charmeleon. And it had the Japanese artwork and all this other stuff. But I remember the thing I thought was really weird was the back of the card was foil. And I was like, that's bizarre. Why is the back of this card foil? I've never seen that before. And I took the card, uh, you know, and I looked at it closer and I found out that it was a sticker. And that the card was not actually the Dark Charmeleon card. The back of the thing peeled off and it was just like a sticker made to look like the dark charmeleon card and i was like what i've been had i've been <laughs> duped this is bullshit <laughs> but then i was like you know i wasn't gonna play with it anyway though and it is pretty cool whatever so i didn't bitch about it to the other kid i just kept it but uh yeah i don't know that that's kind of like a weird story i just thought no of. I, I, I like it fun it, it was a weird it was a weird choice for a, an octoponder it was just kind of hard and i was trying to think of something that you know other people could chime in uh even though i didn't post the damn thing to the group uh but we do have a fun contest going on that uh was we do. Uh, going that on was, right that now was publicized but i guess it was actually, last it'll, it'll be it'll be over by the time it'll be over by the time you hear this yeah uh, <laughs> last thursday we announced a winner uh, for our our fun contest, and uh, and uh, that was a, that was a heck of a lot of fun. So I'm glad we did that. Oh, sure. Um, Joe did all the heavy lifting with that, so that was really. I cool. did. I lifted a lot. It yeah. weighed like oh, have 10 a... pounds. Like ten pounds was so much weight. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, some people can't even lift ten. They're like nine pounds, they max out. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my god. Just, just like take it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, good stuff. Fucking Did take it. Awesome stuff. I'll take um, it like a batch. So, uh, yeah, I guess we got we got two more toy lines to talk about. Uh, two more toys that really celebrated and tried to monetize. Uh, in different different ways, um, this whole the whole hologram craze, and instead of just doing Joe's favorite uh, rub signs, they're like, let's do something completely different. They're not heat activated. We're gonna do something different. We're gonna do the you know the three dimensional holograms, also different because the other ones were not three dimensional. And these two toy lines, uh, you know, they they tried uh real hard and neither one really was successful at it so it turned out that just because you slap holograms on your figures doesn't actually mean that they will sell um but i think that they're worth talking about i think uh they're you know both kind of remembered today by you know certain people and collectors and stuff but maybe not the public at large um so i'm going to talk about one apith is going to talk about the other they came out uh, pretty much the same time, um, and uh, one beat the other one by I think like I think like 
months. I, they, they were very like hot on the heels of each other. Um, so the one I'm going to talk about is called Supernaturals. <laughs> two words, unlike the show Supernatural. Two words and, of course, the plural. Um, Supernaturals released in 1987 by Tonka, the truck company, also the, the GoBot truck. company. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, so these figures were weird looking. Okay. They're mm-hmm. wicked weird looking, but they were also very unique. And in my, my opinion, super memorable. Even if you thought yeah. they looked dumb, super memorable. Um, so they, they tried, they didn't have a cartoon show, first of all. But they did have a comic that was only in the UK, from what I understand. Uh, They had a a preview issue that came out before the toy line hit shelves. And then nine more issues after that, which was published all within uh, a year, like between 87 and 88, all nine issues were out. So it was like they were really pumping these out. And uh, so I'll just read uh, the opening blurb from the first page of the preview comic and it says throughout the centuries men have found the tomb of doom by entering its doors they have made the journey into ghost world where they would be trapped until the force called specter decided to release them release them with incredible new powers. Supernatural. Yeah. So I don't know. Really goofy story. Basically, this uh, this place would lure in warriors and travelers and stuff and then just kind of keep them. And then release them at just random intervals. Just poop them out whenever. Uh, and it's funny, the, the bad guy's Spectre. It's like the James Bond the, like association. I don't know. It feels like they could have come up with a better name. But um, anyway, the, so the figures themselves, again, incredibly unique looking. Uh, they're basically the size of uh, like a Thundercat figure. So a little bit on the big side. They weren't, they weren't G.I. Joe size. They were, they were bigger. And they had the arms and legs were very traditional, just like a Thundercat figure, just fully molded. The thing that made them so weird is that the body and torso and head weren't sculpted. It was, there was a sculpted, like they all kind of had like what looked like a cloak going around where the face would be and where the face would be and the chest and the, like uh, the stomach area was just a flat surface where they would stick this holographic sticker. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, the whole like middle of the figure, the face and all the chest and everything is just this three dimensional looking 3d like hologram. um, But it's just flat. Um, And of course it's like green or reddish orange or whatever. So it doesn't, match the colors of the rest of the the thing but you're supposed to believe that it you know they're they have ghostly powers they have supernatural powers so you know kind of works i guess very weird but 
again, so unique, so different. No other toy line has ever looked anything like this. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, they oh, yeah. So they were a what's called a, a, a dual a double channel hologram because it wasn't just that it was a 3D image. It actually has two images in there. So if you're on one side of the figure, you tilt them a little bit further to the right and it looks like a guy and then tilt them far enough the other way and it becomes the second picture and it's like their other form. And a lot of them were like animals, um, like there was uh, an Egyptian pharaoh type guy and he turned into a snake uh, and his, you know, his molded arms and stuff all had scales and his armor had scales and stuff. And, you know, I mean, actually, I think they're kind of cool. Um, I get that they're also kind of bizarre and weird, but I think they're kind of cool. Yeah, I did have some of these. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, they had they had big accessories so that they had uh, glow in the dark weapons. Also fun. Why not? Right. They're ghostly. OK, yeah, they have mm-hmm. glow in the dark weapons. Cool. Um, and I remember the swords being like huge, like like I feel like the sword was like freaking five inches long or something like that. It's like this massive weapons. And um, and they would have a lot of times they would have a helmet sort of a thing. Sometimes the helmet even moved like if it was a night guy, there was there was one night guy and he uh, he had like a, that the, the visor that would go down in front of his face. And a lot of people would have a chest plate that would be molded and more match like the rest of the figure more matching the arms and legs and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, so the idea is like, at first you don't notice that they're, they're, you know, they're missing all this molded stuff. It just looks like more of a complete figure. And then you take stuff away and it's like, Oh, there, look at the ghostly guy under there. And it's just kind of neat. But um, anyway, uh, the main six figures all, yeah, they all came with all that stuff. Um, uh, so I'm just reading the notes here. The really neat thing, uh, about the lineup of these guys, like the actual characters themselves was that they were all supposed to be these guys who, like I said, they entered the tomb of doom or Todd, as I'm going to say from now on, uh, at random points in history. So this made for a really diverse array of nationalities. You know, these were like kind of the village people, right? Pretty much. Uh, so the heroic warriors, uh, the main hero guy was Lionheart and he was the, the leader of the heroic warriors. And he changed from a king. He was like the night guy uh, to a powerful lion man. And then there was Eagle Eye, who um, was a Native American guy, and he changed into an eagle. And then there was Thunderbolt who changed from a Viking into a lightning warrior. This guy, I didn't get eyes on. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't remember what he looked like. I absolutely had Eagle Eye uh, for sure. When I was a kid, I had the native American guy. Um, and then there are the evil warriors. The bad guy is just, they, they suck with the bad guy names. The specter is the supposedly force. The bad guy is skull. <laughs> <laughs> nice they really thought about that one go right not even spelled weird and he's like a pirate in his human form and then he just turns into a skeleton it's like not very cool <laughs> and the weird thing is in both forms he's missing an eye but the eye swaps places <laughs> so like the well, skeleton grows back the, the missing eye and loses the one it had <laughs> 
makes, makes good sense. I feel like they thought that was clever. Um, like, oh, you know what they're going to love? They're going to love guy. Oh, isn't it cool? Because oh, he's the other eye now. <laughs> I choose to believe it's that. It's a style choice. It's not just a screw up. Oh, oops. We uh, inverted the, the image. Um, then there's this guy. Oh, man. Bernhardt. Bernhardt Schneider. Uh, changes from <laughs> an evil knight to a fiery spirit. And then snake bite. Oh, God. Changes from snake charmer to deadly cobra. I, I really felt like he was more of a pharaoh looking guy, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, the line also had eight smaller, less expensive figures called ghostlings that were similar in all ways. Uh, you know, the molded outside, the hooded inside with the sticker, but they didn't have legs. So they were about half the size or maybe three quarters of the size of the big figures. And, uh, you know, kind of like Slimer, basically. Right. You know, he's got the yeah. arms, but he doesn't have legs. And uh, they were just, you know, just something to round out the, the line. But, yeah, there were eight of those guys. I didn't even bother writing down their names. They're all stupid. stupid um, so fuck them. But there were incredibly. See, this is this is where this line becomes worthwhile for me. I think it's all a, curi- a curiosity. It's all neat and weird. And I like it on some level. The, oh, I will say the quality of the 3D holograms were amazing. amazing. Oh, yeah. They were so huge. The, like, the, it, the detail in there, like those, they did not skimp on the quality of the holograms. They were so cool. Oh, yeah. And also they, they came with big shields, like big shields that had a single channel 3D hologram. So they didn't change from one thing to another, but it was just so like the lion guy had a lion face on his shield. And it looks yeah. incredibly awesome, like really, really, really cool. Um, but anyway, so personally, I loved the side stuff of the vehicles. There were two vehicles. There were two animals that I didn't even know existed. And one amazing playset. I had one of the trucks and I had the playset. Um, so it's Tonka, like I said. So obviously the, right. they're, they're going to work in trucks somewhere. The two vehicles were awesome. Uh, there's the good one and the bad one. The, the good one is the red ghost finder and the evil guys had the, uh, the black and purple <laughs> bat bopper. <laughs> Sounds so bad. Um, bat <laughs> the bat bopper. These were really fun. They, they looked awesome. They were huge. They had like components that moved. And I remember like the, the red truck had like a battering ram that was actually a ram's head that would shoot out the front. And it had like a missile launcher. And then there were just like, you know, just 3D hologram stickers all over it. Like the headlights were eyes. And uh, I don't know, just just neat things just just to make it feel like it belonged in some way, even though it doesn't make any goddamn sense for these guys to be driving big trucks. Um, right. But really cool. Uh, and the, the lion, I mean, I'm sorry, the animals. I never knew existed until doing research for this episode. Uh, one's a flying lion and one's a dragon and their, li- their names suck. Their names are they're such <laughs> yeah, garbage. They, they're terrible. It's, it's like what, what the names for all of these characters are such garbage. So it's, it's a lion with wings. His name is lion wings. Wow. Um, well, I thought really? was put into that lion wings with one. It's one word, no space. Just lion wings. And then the, the dragon is black and he, he's literally just dark dragon. Like they were cool I mean, looking, though, like the lion yeah. wings is 
awesome. I think he's like like a battle cat sort of looking thing. He looked a little bit bigger, but it's it was hard to get this the scale. I wasn't positive how big it was, but it looked really cool. And it has like not feather wings, but like dragon wings. And he he's he's cool. I, I liked both of the animals. Um, but anyway, um, on, like what I what I always felt like, and I think this was true for you, eight bit. I think we talked about this. Like these things, like if you saw, if you went into a a, a secondhand toy store, comic store that sells old toys in the case or something like that, and you're you're just looking around and you see one of these big trucks. Even if you recognize it, I feel like they're cool enough that that people would want them because they really are just awesome. And they're humongous. They're yep. really big. I feel like m- I, most people would not have any idea what what toy line they belong to. It's like, what? Right. It's just like, this is badass. What is what is this, though? And it's funny because like the same exact thing happened to me. I. this like this concept of like i had it i loved it what the hell was it what Mm. did it go to i had and you guys may remember this i had gotten it from a friend who gave it to me uh they had it for years and i remember going over their house and thinking that it was the coolest thing and they were like, oh, we don't even care about this. It's just a, some old toy. Do you, do you love it that much? You want it? And I was like, um, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, they're I like, do. here. And I'm like, okay. And then so I had it. They and it was it. this really cool. <laughs> like, it was like a Cobra base. Like, not Cobra like G.I. Joe Cobra. Just like a snake. It had mm-hmm. big red eyes. And it was brown. And it, and it like the base part opened up. And it was just so cool. And the Cobra section could like separate from the main base. And it was so awesome. And I have lost it. Uh, I don't have it anymore. It was lost in uh, a fire. So we, uh, I was like for years wondered what this went to. And the friend at the time had no idea. I don't remember. I don't know. We've just had this forever sort of a thing. Like, what is this snake thing? I love it so much. So thanks to the internet, eventually I learned that this thing actually went to a line of toys that was very short lived called Stariors, like, like warriors, but with ST instead of Stariors. (laughs) And that toy that I'm talking about is literally, it's so cool looking. To this day, I look at it and I'm like, the aesthetics of this, the sculpt, the snake head, I love it so much. It's so badass. It is just called Armored Battle Station. Huh. The word snake isn't even involved. Cobra, no, nothing. There's no snake theme at all. It is just so every time I looked up Snake Battle Station, it's like, but it's called it's called Armored Battle Station. And it went to Star Wars. So anyway, it's just kind of like that. I feel like I feel like somebody would walk past the cabinet and they're like, oh, there's like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's like the He-Man stuff. And they're like, oh, what is this big like red truck thing? Like, that's so badass. What is that? It's like, I don't know. It's like a, it went to Supernaturals. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Doesn't really feel like it belongs, but they were awesome. So that's my my spiel on Super Space Naturals. <laughs> Supernatural. Uh, pretty, pretty weird toy line. 
for sure. It, every bit of it didn't really go with every other bit of it pretty much. And pretty ill-conceived it was uh, only had the one line, never got a cartoon show, kind of a big humongous failure for Tonka. But you know what? They were trying. They were using they the old were beam. trying and, and they were memorable. Yeah. Like I totally remember seeing those guys, seeing the Native American guy yeah. and, and the shield and all that stuff. It's like there is some really cool holograms. And like that was that was unheard of for yeah. for me. And in the nineties, there was nothing like that. So nothing, it was I mean, there's really never cool. been anything like supernatural, not exactly. So yeah, yeah if you uh, have no idea what I'm talking about, definitely check them out, look it up on the google box it's it's fun it's fun to check them out there's uh some really good sites out there that that really do a good job of detailing the whole line and that's where i got a lot of the information for tonight yeah anyway so so 8-bit uh hot on the heels of supernaturals there was another another company uh that put out a a similar line there sure is what what was that company we all know uh, very well uh hasbro uh, was coming out with visionaries knights of the magical light yes i am lion now suddenly <laughs> uh, so yeah visionaries the brainchild of hasbro to be the next big toy line visionaries had toys and vehicles which featured a variety of holograms on the characters and weapons similar to what we're talking about with the supernaturals but just uh you know a lot smaller uh, you know, focused on down to you know one or two panels per character and, and, and more modest, but still cool. Uh, and you know, their thought was that the holograms would just would just kind of like set them apart from the other toys that were uh out at the time. Yeah. Um, these these were coming out around you know 1987 ish. Um, so yeah, like I said, characters uh, had large holographic hologram emblems on their chest, and some characters had staffs or shields, uh, different accessories, which would feature these like spirit animals that each character had on the on the the particular article of clothing or equipment. Uh, and, and, you know, as all toy lines did in the eighties, uh, visionaries, of course, had to have a tie in cartoon, uh, and it actually even had a tie in comic series, uh, to try and really get this thing off the ground. You know, Hasbro was like, this that was, is, we've done this before. It, yeah. Like, 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 we, <laughs> this is we what we know, do. We know the formula. We know it works. This is going to be a fucking slam dunkaroo. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it, what it maybe wasn't. It was um, not. <laughs> it, was, it was not. But, uh, the cartoon, the cartoon is from, uh, Sunbow Productions, who, uh, you may know as having a heavy hand in G.I. Joe and Transformers and Gem and the Holograms and My Little Pony, even. Uh, and, the, and the cartoon premiered in 1987 and ran for a whop daddy of a hell of a total of a run of a just 13 episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just all it had. Uh, it's the equivalent of a Netflix anime that they decide after one season ain't worth it. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. So so, you know, they they put that show out. Uh, the plot of the show was fucking hilarious. And to boil <laughs> it down, uh, essentially, you have the planet of Prismos. Uh, where it's three sons. That's right. Fuck you. Tattoo. How many sons do we need? Three sons. <laughs> like this planet would be melt. It would just be like, like there's, there's no fucking way that atmosphere is that. No, I'm not buying. It. I so mean, anyway, Tatooine had a couple of moons, right? 
would it have two sons? I don't know. I think it had two sons, like two Arizona. Sons. I don't three, know. Three, though? Come on. Three, Jesus Christ. So it had three sons. So apparently what happened was one day, all three sons aligned. And the 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 impact of all that back-to-back-to-back radiation goodness from the suns just blasted the planet with uh, essentially an EMP so strong that all technology just broke. They're like, nothing works anymore. No, it's just what, for no what, reason at all. What do we do? You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, solar radiation is the thing. Um, so their their thought is like the sun's ganged up on the planet by accident and like just railgunned a Whoops. dump truck of radiation onto the planet. <laughs> just so everything doesn't work. Um, and and so there's these knights that are known as the visionaries, uh, in case you weren't sure. Uh, and they're divided into <laughs> two factions, uh, which I I watched the first episode of the show and I clearly was just watching it, you know, passively enough that I didn't even realize this. Uh, but yeah, so the visionaries were divided into the good guys and the bad guys. I didn't realize the bad guys were also visionaries. Um, so there's the spectral knights and the darkling lords. I wonder which one's the bad guy. Um, the um, the so so the, these two groups enter a competition because nobody has anything that works now. Uh, and they enter this competition with this wise grand wizard known as Merlin. Uh, I mean, oh. Merklin. All oh, right. Merklin. 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 That's <laughs> Let's right. throw a K very, in there. Very different. Oh, and, and the spelling. I mean, Steve, the spelling. It's not even Tell similar. Tell me about to it. To any Arthurian wizard. Um, so yeah, after they took five seconds to come up with that name, the, uh, the wizard Merklin decided to have a competition where the winners would be granted the powers to use magic. Uh, and that apparently the world had like, after all this radiation, magic energy was just excited and in the air and active again or, or whatever. And that's what was left. So they have a contest. They, they inevitably both get to the end of it. And neither of them really win, so they just all get powers. Merklin's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, you get a magic power, and you get a magic power, and you get a magic." Power. Right? He's like chaotic neutral. It seems like he doesn't yeah. give a crap. He's, he's yeah. chaotic neutral, like, Oprah. Whether you're good or evil at all, he's like, "I just really, uh, I'm feeling giving out powers. I'm I want to really see. Just I want to see what's going to happen here. Power doling out mood. Yep. Just want to see see how you guys roll with this." Uh, so he gives all the good guys and the bad guys uh, powers, and uh, and so everyone gets assigned like a, an ability or whatever based on who they are, and they get totem animals. And so I'm just gonna run through the totem animals real quick. First off, there's way too goddamn many characters in this fucking show. The yeah, first we, episode, you so we watched a couple episodes. Joe, I think watched the most. Yeah. I watched four, and I regret. Are you glad? All of it. Okay, I regret all of it. It never got better. It really? never got better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the first For, uh, episode, they introduced you to 15 fucking characters, which 15? is way too many. Are you shitting me? Right. And they yeah, Care Bears had less characters. Than right. That. And some of them don't even have just the one thing to remember. No. They have like the totem animal and whatever their magic power is that goes on their staff. Too. Right. Uh, right. So, OK, I couldn't even tell you who's who. None. No idea. No, nope. like even nope. like no, even, I watched four episodes and I felt like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, like the Fair. entire time, like this show is so poorly written. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So so all right. So you have uh, for the for the special nights you have Leoric, the totem lion, 
with the magical power of wisdom. Ektar with the totem of the fox and the magical power of protection. Feral with spelt with a Y too. It's so cool. Ooh. It's like a word, but it's got a different spelling. So it's a name. Feral with the totem wolf and the magical power of fire. Cryotech, which sounds like a fucking cooler I use at work, uh, <laughs> but has the totem animal of the bear and magical power of strength. Nothing to do with ice. They really threw you on that one. Cryotech, no, no ice anywhere on that dude. Uh, yeah, that's Witter, weird. that's weird. Witter quick. <laughs> Witter quick. Witter quick. Yeah, wow. like how fast are you gonna make dinner? Oh, I'm gonna make dinner. Witter, witter quick. quick. Oh shit, that's quick. <laughs> so witter quick had the totem of the cheetah and was voiced by Jim Cummings, um, and uh, and he had the magical power of light speed. You know, because that's different than being a fucking cheetah. I mean, I no, feel I mean, like that's, some of that's these that's are totally they, uh, separate. <laughs> it's science. Uh, I know, yeah. but some of these are totally separate. It's like the wolf gives you the power of fire. <laughs> the cheetah gives you the power of being a fast cheetah. It's like, okay, well, that seems like that's one just a power where that, that guy got two powers. What the hell? So I don't know. And, and then he, he, he exclaims, sheath these feet in the driving gale. Make swift these legs or land I sail. They all the magic powers have these stupid phrases. Right. I'm, and in the so cartoon, dumb. they just know them somehow. Like, <laughs> right. there's They're so goddamn told. much yeah. world building in that first 20 minute episode. Oh, they they God, run down is. the list of all the characters of everybody's animal, of everybody's spell. But they don't yep. teach them. The f- like Merklin doesn't even say how to activate the spell or the animal. Technically, he's just like, you can do it now. Hashtag but then they, they randomly they, they, know they these rhymes. Right. They just know them. Yep. It's yeah, so, so dumb. Dumb. It's So what so was what dumb. was that rhyme that you were going to say? Uh, what the what the, the one I just said, the witter quick. Yeah. Rhyme? Yeah. What was it? Oh, sheath these feet in the driving gale. Make swift these legs or lands I sail. It's kind of good. Three suns aligned, pour forth their light and fill the archer's bow with might. Shield this craft from one and all. Reflect, deflect, depose, and fall. That's that's the one that Joe said earlier. Yes. That was yes. your quote. That was Ektar the Fox. Nice. Uh, nobody's nobody's quote is the thing I said earlier, uh, which is because that was just a, a stupid ass line from the first episode that I thought was really funny. Uh, about about taking out your aggression on that slab, the offensive slab of wood. Uh, okay, yeah. anyway, Darkling, oh, yeah, Darkling yeah, Lords. Right. Yeah, Darkling Lords. Uh, so we have the, the leader of the bunch. You know him well. He's finally back to kick some shell. Uh, Darkstorm, because he sounds like a nice guy. Uh, and his totem, are you ready? Do <laughs> you want me to... Part. Do you want... Do you really... I want... Ultimate bad guy. Yes. Ultimate fucking dude. If you're thinking of an animal, like, for the main bad a, guy... A bull a dragon a fucking right, because he's got to match the lion and then the lion yeah. had the his guys were like the wolf the fox the bear like these are these are animals that can do damage yep these are damage animals so if you're gonna have them the ultimate evil guy yep ultimate evil guy has the totem of the mollusk (laughs) (laughs) not just any mollusk like straight up it's just snail snail but he's got spikes on that shell that's pretty good yeah oh oh, it's just pretty spiky shell oh yeah 
I mean, the, the mollusk uh, bequeaths him the magical power of decay by what creeps, what crawls, but by what does not let all that grows recede and rot. Uh, so the- so I feel like they misaligned what like mollusks do. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like they were thinking of mushrooms. Like they were thinking of them just like just decaying everything. And the crazy thing is in the episode, Merklin has like a little like one second justification because he's just He's rattling off these animals. Yeah, off he's the top dishing of this shit head. out like out of a hat. He's, he's just like, like, I don't well, know. You seem like a fucking fox. You did this thing so that <laughs> you know you climbed good, so or you ran fast, or you right, or you hid like or... a bitch, so you get to be a beetle. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> right, like right, that right. guy just gets the shit dumped on him. Like, <laughs> but his justification for Darkstorm is he said, "You climbed good, so be a be a mollusk." <laughs> <laughs> like it like literally makes I thought he was gonna say monkey or something. Which I was like, but they're already like, they're one of the good guys is a gorilla. So a why would they save the gorilla for the main for the bad guy? That would be cool. Bad. That's be more intimidating, one. yeah. But right. like he's like, No, you'll be a snail because snails <laughs> climb. Uh, I don't know about that, Merklin. Too late, it's stuck. <laughs> what? Fuck. Why? This is like, you definitely were not trying to make this succeed, Hasbro. What are you, what are you what doing? Ass? This guy's whole deal is snails. And it's so stupid. And honestly, the figures were, I don't think you said it, but they're they're like pretty small. They're more like G.I. Joe sized. Okay. So I they really were that. not very that, cool look at substantial <laughs> they just weren't cool looking they just i mean they're all like night guys i guess but i don't know they, they just looked lame and they had their costumes were really dopey you know they're just like yeah I'm, yeah I'm very, very up blocky in my i feel yeah. like they're like blocky or something like too yeah. many edges and yeah and they and in the show they all had like the same blank gigantic square in the chest because of course that is where the animal hologram goes. Yeah. But right. like, it's just funny, like in this world, like good guys, bad guys, every character from every country, it didn't matter. They all designed their armor to have this very conspicuous, dumb, huge, square, <laughs> empty yeah. chest plate <laughs> that had no detail. It all was just perfectly flat. Um, so weird. So anyway. yeah, truly yeah. so weird. Um. So yeah, rounding out the uh, the Darkling Lords, you have Recon, who is the lizard with the power of magic extractor. Okay. okay. Uh, Mordred, who is the beetle with the power of flight. Sindar, who was the gorilla. So okay, I guess they are a bad guy. Uh, who was had the power of destruction. Cravix. Uh, this just sounds wrong. Uh, okay, no, hold on, hold on, fuck that. I'm I'm saving him for last. Okay, there's <laughs> Lexor, who's an armadillo, uh, with the power of invulnerability. Solid. This show has shit. no idea what armadillos are. Right, either. right, but right. invulnerable. Um, and Virulina, for the love of God, is a shark, uh, <laughs> and she was you know the female on the bad guy side, whereas Galadria was the female on the good guy side. You know, gotta have one. And she was she had the power of disease. Okay, okay. So everyone so far has had a real fucking animal, right? Like dumb or not, they had an actual animal that you know what the fuck that is. Cravix, for whatever goddamn reason, has the power of fear. 
and he gets the totem and and merklin says this whole preamble like you're gonna know what the hell he's talking about and he's like you get the to bear the totem of the phylot and you're like what what did did you just have a stroke like every (laughs) other guy you've been saying has been an animal what the hell is a phylot and it's like oh it's this hyper specific pterodactyl like thing that only lives on prismosia and um he's really they're scary they're they're very scary creature trust me on this it's like you couldn't have just said pterodactyl like it's dumb (laughs) anyway because it's a dinosaur for some reason but nope we made up just this one thing like the cheetah is still proclaimed as the fastest animal on this made up goddamn planet. <laughs> but the phylot was necessary to include as the, the, the instiller of fear, like not a vulture. Like what the hell? I, I don't know. It's right. so fucking dumb, but it, it's funny. It's, it's definitely just the, it's a, for, sure. Uh, for sure. Whatever, you know, no, no hard feelings here. Uh, so yeah. Um, to get through kind of the other stuff I wanted to mention uh, the show's animated really well. Um, has a solid yeah. voice cast. There's actors like Peter Cullen, Jim Cummings, Susan Blue, Roscoe Lee Brown, Jennifer Darling, and Jonathan Harris, to name a few. There was a ton of characters. Yeah, the drawings um, are the drawings are totally decent. Drawings are great. Yeah, yeah the intro is yeah. really cool. Like everything looks pretty well done. Um, to be honest, uh, the show. That being said, though, I mean, it is dumb. It's overblown. It's packed full of details you don't care about. You know, it's lousy with too many characters and clearly just made to sell toys more than a lot of shows were. Like, like you said, the suff- the design of the characters suffers for the gimmick of the toy. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. That's yep. that's a new low we're hitting here. Um. This show was the first cartoon from Sunbow to not be produced in conjunction with Marvel Studios. Uh, and instead, it was produced in conjunction with the Japanese animation studio TMS Entertainment, uh, who is known for such features as Lupin the Third, the Mighty Orbots. Oh, and- Joe loves Mighty mm. Orbots. He, he says, he says, go, Mighty he Orbots. He says, you do. Yes. Say, I've heard you say go. Is that usually what you're referencing? Mm hmm. Oh, man. Yes, I go. That's super uh, deep. Is your Joe a Goa? Does he like to go? Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo. Sign them all. Sign them all. Sign them all. All right. So the uh, I'm going to go on a, a minor tangent here. So TMS Entertainment also produced a show called Honeybee in Toycom Land. And I almost scrolled right past this when I was looking up shit today. And I'm so friggin' glad I did not. So the show Honeybee and Toycom Land is actually an anime that was inspired by Adventure Island. What? what? Anime, the anime even inspired its own Famicom game called Takahashi Meijin no Bugte Honey. The show featured the Honey Girl who's the invincibility fairy from Adventure Island okay. and revolved around the kidnapping of Takahashi, a.k.a. Master Higgins, and his girlfriend. Oh, my God. We got to watch that. <laughs> and it's entirely <laughs> only in Japanese, as far as I know, but it was produced by the same company who made this fucking visionary show. Uh, and apparently it did well. Like, I, I, I looked up footage of the Famicom game that was based on the show, and it looks pretty super cute like you just play as a big version of the invincibility fairy the honey girl 
and you know there's like a variety of different little games and stuff that go on and uh and yeah it clearly was popular enough that that they went went for it but anyway super fun tangent that i just stumbled on really looking up some other shit i was like oh my god i love this shit (laughs) (laughs) oh man and i mean tms entertainment is no slouch either like their their production credit is enormous it was just yeah a lot of japanese stuff that i didn't know and then i mean they still are producing tv shows today you know i mean one of them uh dr stone was an anime i watched earlier this year um so they're still doing stuff but uh yeah they've been around for a long time like i think some of their earlier stuff was in the 50s and 60s so kind of cool you know that they partnered up with them but yeah they had i guess had done a lot with marvel um previous to that sunbow that is sunbow had done a lot with marvel and uh in hasbro and stuff uh so yeah back on track um for Visionaries, the six-issue comic series was done by Star Comics, and it ran from November 1987 to September 88. Uh, and Star Comics was an imprint of Marvel Comics that began in 1984 and was spawned as a way to target child readers and often adapt children's shows to comics. Um, Star Comics label was most known for Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, Heathcliff, as well as Star Wars droids and Ewoks. Nice. Pretty, pretty cool. You, you, uh, you want to know a random factoid? Yes, sir. If this is off the cuff. We didn't plan any of this. Uh, the Spectacular Spider-Ham was originally uh, developed and drawn or written, I guess. It was probably written by uh, the guy that we talked about um, just a couple episodes ago, I, I talked about him uh, because Hoyt Curtin. No, not not Hoyt Curtin. <laughs> well, we have now mentioned Hoyt Curtin in five episodes <laughs> of the Retro Redactable Cephalo podcast. Five episodes, Hoyt Curtin. Uh, no, never Larry, draw the curtain on Hoyt. Larry Hama, I believe, is his name, or, or I think that was his name. He uh, was the creator of Bucky O'Hare. But his oh, first awesome. big ah. thing that he did for Marvel was actually the spectacular Spider-Ham. That's so fun. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick before we leave this show, uh, there's a whole list of various other characters on Wikipedia, and I just want to highlight the best name in the bunch uh, a wizard condemned never to tell the truth. His name is Weeza Squeeza. <laughs> what? W E E Z A S Q U E A Z A. That sounds like Jar Jar uh, named really that guy. Ah, uh, what do you say in uh, Misa no Weeza Squeeza with your wife? Ah, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> oh my gosh. That Fucking is uh, hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty Love funny. Love it. Love it. The visionaries. All right. So visionaries, Knights of the Mystic Light and Supernaturals, both, you know, novel ideas that just didn't take off. Um, but hey, you know, it was uh, they are they are relics of the of the day and uh, try, you know, innovation doesn't always uh, end up with a genius stuff. Sometimes it ends up with just a, kind of some weird flops. And that's, uh, you know, that's OK, too, because, you know, it happens. And, uh, you know, I hey. It's it happened. It's nostalgia. I remember these things. I definitely uh, did not own any visionaries. I don't know anyone who did, but uh, I recall it existing, um, but was more into the the supernaturals for sure. But again, right. mostly because the, the mostly because the vehicles. But uh, 
But hey, uh, you know what? Actually, thinking back, I didn't even get to talk about the the Tomb of Doom playset, which was actually pretty awesome. It was a giant skull and a cool coffin and stuff. And it was pretty cool. Oh, that's but uh, anyway, we're we're done. We're done. We we've done mm-hmm. all the hologram toys that we could possibly think of, and um, I hope you guys have had a good time learning a little bit and remembering a little bit more. And and uh, yeah, hope hopefully you uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, this episode so far, uh, and. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap things up, but you know, hey, before we say goodbye, we got we got one more thing to get to. So let me let me do the line. Um, <clears throat> now it's a uh, see, I, I'm all like flustered because I, I, my script got all <laughs> fucked up. All right, so now it's you know, it's almost time to cash that horizon, right? Do you guys can you tell? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Are you looking at your empty wrist, your naked? I wrist? am. My yes, wrist. don't have is. watches on them. Well, it's be well. That's because. It's almost time to catch that horizon. That's why. But before we say goodbye, uh, let's go to this. Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback reviews the Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a Tooth Fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a Tooth Fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the f- last 20 minutes of the movie. That That's what right. the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a, fuck- a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith, Dorks the Podcast, The Dorkening, Black and White Fright, The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. Hello, this is Tom Kenny, voice actor, the voice of the Ice King on Adventure Time, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Ah, oh, Gary the Snail, too. Hey, guess what you're filling your eye holes and ear holes with? The Dorkening! Oh, I love the Dorkening. Very popular in Ooh. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network. Hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now it's time to dive up the edge of the map with another edition of Dive Monster, the video game bestiary of annoying enemies that really need to just fuck off. What? What's up, Retroids? This is Nintendo. And, uh, yeah, so for the first time in the history of the show, I am not doing a Power to the Metal segment. <laughs> Shocking! Oh, Shocking! Yeah. Because I had, I, I didn't discover any new new bands or, or anything, nothing that really caught my eye. Uh, even though Parasite seems like, hey, just review uh, the new Iron Maiden album. Well, here's my, my review, review for that album. It stinks. There you <laughs> Fart go. Noise. <laughs> Fart noise. Fart noise. Yes. Wait. <laughs> uh, I am, I'm, I'm all set. I like maybe two songs in the whole album. That's it. Yeah. Anywho, 
So, this segment, I am doing the Die Monster. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, this is from uh, my one of my favorite NES games, and that is Super C, which is also known as Super Contra in the arcade. Um, but I'm going to talk about specifically the NES version because that's the one I played the most. Um, so I've tried to no death run this game so many times. And what always kills the death run for me is in stage six, where it's like right at the, the, the beginning of the level, this is a, a top down view where uh, you can't jump at all, which is fucking terrible. And uh, your your main weapon, it's like a pea shooter. It's like it doesn't even go across the screen. It's it like shoots it, it, literal peas. Like, like little pieces, zombies like, like on little, your little, lawn little, and that's these little it. white dots, these little white dots, and they, they just like poof, they poof, <laughs> literally they 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 poof, and so your range is it's just fucking terrible. It doesn't matter what weapon you have, like it, they all have the same range and it fucking sucks. So I hate these goddamn levels. <laughs> any hoots, any hoots. What always kills my no death run when I play this game is this enemy called Bakanga, and it's it's just a mouth that appears out of the ground and it appears at random. So you can play this game a billion fucking times and you'll never get the pattern because it's so goddamn random. In the arcade version, if you kill enough of them, they'll just stop spawning and then you just, just move on. But no, not in the NES version. No, no, no. I guess you can say this is NES hard. Uh, they just keep respawning. At random spots and your character moves like so goddamn slow during these top-down levels they'll just these enemies will just appear right underneath you and then you're 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 fucking dead Mm. you don't have enough time to like to move you can't jump out of the way because they took away that fucking function for these goddamn levels like why that's such a fucking stupid stupid and uh, so goddamn dumb and and on top of that like later on the level you come across this, this, this hallway with these uh, a bunch of holes, right? And they shoot out like these spiked balls. And they're almost like, I want to say they're, they're heat seeking, but like if you moved and tried to avoid them, they kind of like almost follow you unless you stopped. If you stopped, they would stop like following you, but then they'll just keep going across the screen. So wait, you're, huh. so you're, you're, telling, me, you're telling me that you're complaining about heat seeking balls? <laughs> I know it's so unusual. that seems way up your that's, alley. That's weird. Uh, that's that's way yeah, it's it's way up there for sure. But um, yeah, but these are not balls that I want to deal with. <laughs> and uh, I'm not into spiked balls. Okay, I'm sorry. None, I'm sorry. please. I don't like all of them. I don't like all of them. Just, I just like some of them. Just the ones that are smooth. Okay. <laughs> God, I like the smoothies. Like ba- I like baseball. That's most okay? of them. <laughs> Gotta catch all of them. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so, where my brain. So, went. so those enemies fucking piss me off. Yeah, to no goddamn end. And then the stage after that, stage seven, you have these pods, which they, they look like the alien eggs, and they shoot out like little face huggers. In this game, and uh, the way how this level is designed is that in, instead of like level three from the first Contra game, where you're you're climbing up a mountain or whatever, oh, the, like the waterfall, the, the waterfall level, yeah. 
instead of going <clears throat> up in this level you're going down down in balls mm. Mm. Um, mr tyler Mm, going down mm. Mm. um so yeah so the, these little little pods they they'll spit out these these little face huggers and it seems to be at random mm-hmm. so if you don't have the spread gun you're gonna fucking die yeah and because they're in such odd places that you can't really reach with like a machine gun or uh, uh maybe you can use the, the the fire weapon too um but yeah like as soon as you land where these little little pods are, it's little son of like, a bitches. It's, it's like yeah, the some bitches will just they'll just like like immediately <laughs> spit out or spew out a fucking face hugger and it'll fucking kill you. Like what the god fuck? damn it, fuck you, you piece of shit. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's my die monster segment. It nice. Ugh. So screw Fuck. those guys. Die. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fucking die. God damn you. So I'm going to I'm going to add one tonight uh, because it just reminded me the way you were saying, like the chaotic nature of the pattern, like you can't learn the pattern because it's just chaos. It's just insane. That is exactly what drove me nuts about eight <clears throat> bit. And I talked about this in our Zelda two episode. These The stupid knights that you fence oh, with, yeah. the, which which I dubbed in that episode, the fence and scoots. <laughs> that's all they do they right. fence with you and then they scoot scoots. backwards i hate those yes. motherfuckers yes yeah, and that's what always, you just, you just put in my brain it had me thinking about the fence and scoots <laughs> like god damn it, this chaos fucking god damn it just just go by a pattern that i can learn it's fine ah <laughs> uh, die monster you don't, you don't belong, belong in this, in this game. world oh man <laughs> all right man thank you that was uh that was super awesome uh, yes. great die monster yeah it's yes. fun uh you know doing each other's segments has uh, been a fun thing this year i'm glad we yeah. you know, decided to do that <clears throat> uh very very cool yes. stuff so uh yeah we're pretty much at the end of the episode uh does anybody have any tasty promes they want to lay down um i guess i'll promote my youtube channel again sure. um which is nintendo 25 you can just you know just search for that's on youtube and uh yeah the tubes of you videos that's right yes yes Yes. hey pip um i have nothing super new to talk about but i still have my uh, 8-bit alchemy youtube channel uh, where i do 8-bit music and i I post it there uh, for you to listen to i had recently um put up some some themes that i hadn't released prior so there's like four new songs on my youtube page so go check them out they're pretty short so it won't take more than uh you know three or four minutes of your time uh and uh, also i have a food blog called eight bites that i write in my spare time and i have good fun with it and i like food so i think if you are into that kind of stuff you would you would enjoy it try to make it an enjoyable read uh yeah so i mean that's kind of all i got going on right meow nice meow. nice yeah definitely check that stuff out um for sure. <clears throat> as for me i am going to be a guest at the monster expo that's monster with an ah at the end because it's taking place in massachusetts so it's hilarious i guess uh <laughs> it's october 16th and 17th 
2021 coming up pretty shortly it is in massachusetts in fairhaven which is uh i guess right next to fall river i think uh but it's uh on the water pretty cool and uh, i will be there with derek rook at the rough house publishing booth and selling and signing and sketching copies of uh, my various books including my latest mark of the wishworm and of course, Bone Eater King and Marrow Dust and also uh, copies of Gore Shriek 1 and 2 we have. And, um, you know, we're going to have some shirts and uh, having some fun and uh, be giving out some uh, socially responsible distance high fives. Uh, they're basically like the thing that they do in uh, Demolition Man. Uh, you basically like go for the high five and you stop and then you like do a circle. And they're like circle, 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 circle. That's pretty. I don't know. We're probably not going to do that. Anyway, just come by and uh, check us out. And uh, if you like horror, then this is going to be a fun weekend. This is a new con and uh, it's definitely going to be on the smaller side. But you know what? That also means that uh, means two things. First of all, it can grow. So you got to make it a, a success. So it comes back next year and gets better. And it also means that tickets are like way cheap. Uh, they range from five dollars to 20 bucks. So uh, if you are not doing anything on the 16th and 17th of October, why not come by the Monster Expo? I I think it's going to be a good time. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it for our uh, our holograms episode, uh, which may or may not be called them in the holograms. Uh, uh-huh. Would that be fun? But uh, in case I, I don't name it that uh, there, it got in the episode there. <laughs> there. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up the episode. So, guys, if you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and on Twitter. As well as being part of the Inebriard Podcast Network, Retro Reductibus is, as always, a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network and can now be heard on Hellfire Radio. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like The Wicked Horror Show, Shark Bites, Amalga Files, Mostly Ghostly, Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie, uh, mostly ghostly i have on here twice i've written it down twice (laughs) it's so good it's so ghostly you should listen to that one it's listed on my list two times we've we've read from this how many times i never even noticed anyway for more information or to subscribe (laughs) to us or any of these great shows please visit the dorkening.com there are new shows coming out all the time too they literally just started a brand new show called the dork night and it's with Leo Pond and Justin Cooper and Brandon Powers. And they're talking all about Batman. And uh, it's a brand new show. Literally just debuted this week or last week, I guess. Uh, pretty cool. So check those guys out. Oh, I have yeah. been your host. My name is Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Destruction. And you know what? It is indeed a sad thing. Your adventures have ended here.